The Production Expert Podcast with Ross Hughes, Dan Cooper, and Eli Kranzberg. Well, good evening and welcome to Production Expert Podcast 390. It's October the 9th, 2019. My name is Russ Hughes. I'm Dan Cooper. And I'm Eli Kransberg. Dan's deals. Dan's yes. deals. Dan, yes. what's on the deals this week, month, year, millennium? Good, well, good deal this decade. month. Uh, I forgot decade de- and century. Decade, century, millennium. <laughs> Thank Our you. Our featured deal uh, this month is from Tegla Audio Manufacturer, who are offering the production expert community £200 off the purchase price of either the Roundsight Tube Reverb or the uh, Schrecraft Machine multi uh, mode very new hardware tube compressor. Now I love this stuff. Now if you've, if you've I've seen any of my Order videos, bingo. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> we got the bingo well, word in straight away early in the show. Well, Dan has got. <laughs> if you've got the card out, Dan's just mentioned Tegla. Yes, but you can get two hundred pound off to put towards the drink you're going to be uh, consuming. Whilst I keep saying Tegla, drink again. Um, but yeah, let's give them in- a free. Let's give them a free one tonight. Uh, did you know, guys? Before we carry on, that James has been on a mix with the Masters course. Didn't know that. No. Did you not know that? He no, doesn't say. He doesn't talk about it much. But just in case. No, no. Mike's been doing a bit uh, about loudness as well. Has he? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And we have some other great deals from our partners like Avid, Perfect Sounds, and Editors Keys. Uh, check our deals page out for more info. When I've emptied my mouth of a biscuit, but it's a diet biscuit, my head. <laughs> it's one of these bars. It's like it's a baked bar. We're going to uh, Talking Points. These are sponsored by our friends at Arturia. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. The Arturia Audio Fuse 8 Pre is a dual-mode interface, an 8-ad expander, which boasts eight channels of premium analog audio, rock-solid sync, USB-C, and optical connectivity. The super-low equivalent input noise, or EIN as it's known, lets you capture every subtle detail, while the huge input gain will drive even the most demanding low-output mics. With eight world-class mic preamps and the addition of the included AudioFuse Creative Suite software bundle, which includes Arturia's preamps, a compressor, filter, delay, and more, it's the perfect high-quality interface and expander for the professional studio. You can find out more about AudioFuse 8 Pre at the link in the show notes. Good, good, good. Arturia, you know that they're uh, kind of really kind of expanding, aren't they? I, 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 Eli, especially, I yeah. suppose, in the early days, the thing I always remembered Arturia for was my first kind of soft synth was the Jupiter 8 from Arturia, which was beautiful. I'm sure yeah. it still is. They still yeah. make it, but that was what they were known for. And yeah. so expanding out. They make out, some nice hardware now. Yeah. yeah, they make nice hardware. They're making, as I say, audio interfaces and plugins. Oh, yeah, James really likes those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the plugins you'll plugins you'll what was that? What's their line? Plugins you'll really you'll use actually it? use. Uh, yeah, the you'll actually use. Audio fuse creative suite. Uh, uh. Anyway, sorry, takes takes a gulp of tea. Uh, talking point number one. Uh, so what we're doing with talking points is we've changed them up a bit. We're not going to talk about things from the week, although this is interestingly uh, quite quite uh, serendipitous <laughs> that this has come up tonight because our most read story for the week and uh, lots of interest in it is 
uh, the story that Dan put together a, a couple of days ago, which is, would you swap uh, a MacBook mm. Pro for this kind of all singing, all dancing? That's had massive amounts of interest. I mean, massive. It's 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 just off the charts. Uh, the amount of people that have been looking at that story and reading that story and, and commenting as well. Uh, but we're not talking about that particular product tonight, although that may come up and Dan, perhaps you can speak, may, speak yeah. to that about why you even brought that uh, to, to the blog in the first place. But the question we're having tonight, because we're kind of putting in much more general questions that we think people are going to be interested in, is how do Apple continue to have such a loyal pro user base? Uh, and... It's 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 a question that 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 is worth asking because uh, for some people they think that Apple hasn't cared about the pro users for at least five years since Trash Can came out, and I can speak to that in a while. Uh, and some think that the release of the new Mac Pro is just way out of most people's league, and so that they they most people think that Apple just care about phones and apps these days, and so. It, it, but yet, if you talk to Apple users, many of them, myself included, continue to trust Apple. In fact, my find of the week is will speak again serendipitously speak to this as well tonight because uh, I'll give you another reason later on in the show with my find of the week. But Eli, you're you, you, I would I think you're a fanboy. Without it's it's, it's it's such a pejorative term, but I think that. <laughs> That you're yeah. you're an well, you Apple know, you're an Apple lover you're a Logic user. What's your take on this? Because, you, but you're a smart guy. You don't you don't suffer fools gladly, and you you know quality, and you don't mess around with crap. So, you know, in in my world, it's not such a big question or issue because you just have to be an Apple user. And when I say my world, I mean Logic Logic users. World. Yes. You know? So it's just not a, a question in our universe because there's no choice. Um, but with that in mind, how do they keep a loyal Pro user base. We know how they keep a loyal consumer base. That's easy. They keep updating the iPads and the iPhones. But the loyal pro base, well, for I mean, for Logic, I mean, it's continually being developed and it's being developed for free. You know, the one little interesting aspect of Apple's business model with Logic, you know, the, uh, Logic 10 was released, I think it was 2013, you know, five and a half, almost six years ago, or no, over, yeah, over six years ago. And they continue to give free updates, but they have this policy now where they only support one OS behind the current one. So what that means is they're giving away free updates, but eventually you got to replace your computers because, you know, older computers get orphaned with, you know, as, as the uh, minimum operating systems uh, specs get, get raised, older systems get orphaned. So they're giving away the logic for free, basically. And if you're, you know, a pro user and you want to keep up with the newest versions, you can't use a, a computer beyond a certain number of years old. You know, like right now, 10.14 is the current one, so they support 10.13, but nothing before, you know. So 10.13, so, 10, so, so, so the current iteration of Logic is not supported. Is it not supported or it won't even install? What, what do you mean uh, by yeah, not supported? High, well, High Sierra or Mojave, below High Sierra, I don't think you can install. I don't even know if the Apple Store will let you download it. It might say, you know, insufficient. Yeah, the uh, App Store yeah. may just not even let you yeah yeah, yeah and and how's yeah. that play because we obviously we all live in our little bubbles how's that played out in the logic community um you know there's always a, a, a 
cadre of, of logic users who happily stay a little bit behind. Like I know, uh, uh, you know, fairly well-established film composer who's got like three or four Mac Pro workstations, the old uh, cheese grater Macs, and she's staying a couple of versions behind. You know, she's got them souped up to 12 cores and, you know, done all those upgrades. And now they're reaching the end of life where I don't think she can go beyond, I don't know if she's on Mojave yet or, or still on High Sierra, but that's the end of the line for her. And she's happily stayed a couple of, of logic versions behind. Um, you know, for me, I mean, I have to stay up with the most current version, but some users on older hardware just stay a little bit behind. And when I say a little bit behind, I mean, maybe they're using 10.3 instead of 10.4.6, which is the current version of Logic, you know, or, or maybe 10.2, you know, just because each one of those uh, upgrades, you know, required a higher minimum system spec. And do you think it's legitimate or do you think, do people think it's cynical that Apple say, well, you know, you've got to have a new machine uh, I mean, to it's, use this? It's not, it's a, it's a good question. I think it's it's kind of somewhere in between. I, I think it's a matter of, you know, the developers, there's so many variables, as you know, integrating hardware and software when you're working with DAW development. And it they just, they sort of remove that from the equation to just minimize the complexity of keeping new versions up to date. Well, like, for example, they updated in 10.4, in Logic 10.4, which came out about a year ago, they introduced Chromaverb, which is a new algorithmic reverb. And it's got some really sexy graphic display where all these little images dance online, you know, based on the input signal. And that required a certain minimum video card spec. And a lot of uh, uh, of um, cheese grater Mac users were not able to upgrade to 10.4 and, and used this new Chromover because it required a new video spec. And again, so by, by eliminating the older OSs, I think they're just minimizing all the variables they need to factor in and, and maintaining compatibility. But for, forgive me, things dancing on the graphics, who gives a yeah, rat's well, ass well, about I, that? I'm not explaining it right. There's a, a, there's like a graphic display with a bunch of shooting color dots. You know, yeah, but again, if, again, I wouldn't even give a rat's ass about that as long as it sounded <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? It's like, this is these are moments when you feel that the people who are going, oh, Apple fanboys will buy anything as long as it's got an Apple stamped on it. You, well, you think, well, I mean, the thing is, yeah, I mean, it's a, first of all, it's a great sounding reverb, Chromover. It's their new internal algorithmic reverb, and it really is great. Um, well, I mean, that's the way they designed it with that feature and... You know, yeah, but it just, like they've got to have a reason to push yeah. things forward. You know what I mean? And, and they go, well, that's it. That's the reason this plugin yeah. needed. But coming a back to the question, because we've talked about the logic sure. users are kind of held captive. But why? I'm just thinking of, and I'll come to Dan in a minute because he's 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 stuck with Apple for, for much longer than than seems reasonable in some ways with the machine he's on there. But <laughs> but the composer that's got all these different Macs, is it is it because logic is such a pull to these people that they can't imagine never using logic and so they have to stick with apple why do they uh, stay that, loyal well yeah well you know like all die users you, you get familiar with what you're used to working in and you know it's hard to switch when you're at a certain level you're invested in the infrastructure of learning it and software and you know it's a learning curve and maybe they got deadlines it's a big deal switching DAWs. i mean i'm not talking about dabbling in another dot open it to do one or two tasks maybe a specialized task that your yeah. own dot can't do but yeah. to switch for for main everyday use for a heavy user it's a big you know, it's a big switch, I think. So why do you think they start loyal then, from your opinion? Mm. Is it simply that they're using logic? Is that your opinion here? Um, from your camp? Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of impossible to answer because... Okay. Why do you stay yeah. loyal? Why do I stay loyal? Well, because I use logic. Okay. It's as simple <laughs> as that. Well, 
yes and no. No, it's not as simple as that, because if I switched DAWs, I would probably still stay Mac. You know, the old and the, the, the conventional wisdom answer to that, and I think this still holds true, is that people pay more for Macs and use it and stay loyal because of the operating system. You know, it's just, it's a more pleasant user interface. It's, it, the whole thing works more smoothly. That, you know, that's what the, the conventional wisdom was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And I think still today. Mm. I, mm. I disagree. I, I, I'm not saying Windows is terrible or it doesn't work. It's just, I'm familiar with this OS. I like it. And I do, you think, is it, do you think that that early days investment in the, that, that most Mac users in the early days were either create, were, were creative types mainly, it was used by graphic yeah. designers yeah. and artistic types. Do you think that has somehow created a legacy versus Windows was always for spreadsheets and accountants? And that somehow those those two points of view have kind of deeply culturally ingrained to keep people on those platforms uh. thinking like that. I don't know. I don't know if I would agree with that because a lot of pro, you know, graphics and post-production studios are Windows-based. Yeah, or even Linux. If they're using Smoke and Flame and the high-end stuff, it doesn't. Even, it's not even running on Windows or Mac. It's running on yeah. Linux. Okay. Or Linus. Yeah, Linux. Yeah, yeah Linus is from Snoopy. I say Linux, but That's Snoopy. Linux, whatever you want to call it, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can always tell a hardcore Apple user because they never call it X because it's ten, isn't it? It's yeah. it's, it's 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 iPhone ten or it's not iPhone yeah. X or Final Cut Pro X. Dan, so t- alluding to this, why do you think Apple continue to have such a loyal pro user base? Because you're what are you running a ten year old Mac? I'm running a ten year old Mac, one of those twelve cores. Um, I've used Macs for fifteen years now, long enough to have this opinion. Um, so how do Apple continue to have such a loyal pro user base? Two reasons. One, brand loyalty, because that, that was me. I'll buy the next Mac because that's what I use. And it's kind of a bit ignorant, but you go with what you know. Yeah. Um, that's brand loyalty. Um, so I know people that have always bought VWs, for instance. You know, it's me. their thing. It's bra- you? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but it's brand loyalty. And the other one is believing the bullshit. <laughs> um, and, and I mean this because if you think about it, new product launches... We all sit and watch the keynote and we all know the uh, the type of language that they're using to sell this idea that this machine is an, um, the tool for your inspiration and creativity and you can do anything with it. You just got to believe it. And you do. You believe it. And then they show you the price and they get you hyped up about the twice as much power than the previous generation, all that stuff. And you believe it in the cheers and the claps. Then you buy the products. And then you sit there and you, you know, <laughs> you're like, wow, I'm about to open my new Apple products. You're still buying the bullshit. Uh, and then you start using the products and you go, was this really, really, really worth that price? Um, I'm sure some MacBook users will probably know what I'm on about here because some have had some problems over the years. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, have you ever opened a brand new Apple products? And it's not been in its packaging, ever. I don't understand. Uh, what do you mean? I will, right. Okay. Do you remember last year when I had my iPhone accident? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for those that don't know, um, I was taking a selfie on a marina and, um, well, well you've, lost more, the, you've lost more phones than, than, a, yes. than a large town. Thanks for yeah. reminding me. But this particular one was brand new and it's it went swimming, never to be seen again. So it I rung up the insurers, yeah. um, had insurance cover, paid the excess. They sent me a brand new iPhone 10. Yeah. Uh, it was with me two days later um, and it was in a cardboard box. Um, mm. It was brand new, no 
Apple-ness about it, except from the product inside of it. And it was really a, um, like a weird experience. But I was like, that's a brand new phone. I had the little wrap on or, or the um, protector on the screen. Yeah. It's like, I've not had that experience now of opening this phone as a brand new thing. And I thought, does it matter? It doesn't matter. It was weird. Um, I bought uh, a same- refurb that was so well done. It was an Apple refurb. I thought they'd sent me a brand new unit because wow. the whole experience was all the cellophanes were there, the whole box. It was like, uh, and, and, and I spoke to somebody and said, is this really a refurb? They said, yeah, Apple make, when Apple, because Apple are guarding that reputation that when you get a refurb, an, an authorised refurb from Apple, it comes and it feels like a brand new product. Mm. Everything, the whole, it's okay. the same experience. Okay, quick poll here. How long do you hand uh, do you hang on to your Apple boxes for? Ever. For, <laughs> I, I've, I've, got a, I've, got a, I've got a loft in my studio and it's mainly full of Apple boxes. I've, I've got my them. five-year-old iMac box up in the attic somewhere. Five-year-old, you're not even close, mate. I've got I've got the I've got the box to to a, a cinema display that's wow. at least a decade wow. old. <laughs> that is going back a bit. Wow. Now I don't bother with any of that stuff, keeping boxes, and you know, um, I think more over the last few years I've been thinking differently because I know that my Mac is old, and I know I did replace it last year with another Mac Pro, a refurb 12-core one, but I bought that just to tide me over another year, year and a half until I do the next big computer change, the one that I'll, I'll use for five years. And I'm, I'm quite certain it's going to be Windows this time around. Really? But here's yes. my question, Dan. We're talking about oh. a machine that you're running now that's a 10-year-old machine. Yes, it is. Uh, it's, it's insane to suggest that I can't think of any other tech in my life that I would have that Trust this, in, mach- I, I, this machine is older than two of my children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm saying, we're talking about high-end technology and this machine, This is, I think this is one of the reasons, and, and I'll jump in now if you want. So when I bought the trash can in 2013, I was maligned, I was ridiculed, I was told I was a fool, it was a stupid idea, it was Apple's worst invention, uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm now in 2019, so it's six years on, it's it's paid my mortgage for those six years. It's kept two businesses running for six years. It's never even blinked in six years. So I think that uh, so that's why. Oh, sorry, and, and then Siri's just interfered with this whole podcast. So <laughs> so, and you've got a ten-year-old one. Mm. Uh, Eli's talking about a five-year-old, and so and when was the last time you paid for an OS upgrade? Yeah, right. Never. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Never. Um, it was I, a long, I, long time ago. It was, I, think I can it was, answer that. It was that. a decade yeah. ago. I paid $79 for an upgrade. I can't remember. I think it was... Lion. Lion. Yeah, I think like 10, lion. Four, 10, 10 four, I think. That was Tiger or Lion? That was 100 yeah. bucks, wasn't it? Paid. It was 100 lion. bucks. Yeah. But when did we last pay for those? When did we last pay for updates? Uh, again, my find of the week, I'll tell you later. So the reason I stay loyal is because despite all the malign, all, all, all the ridicule the trash can has got and my MacBook Pro has got uh, and all those things, uh, they just work every day. Uh, and when they don't work, then I get great support. Uh, and, and, and so I, I just, and the other thing is you're dealing with Apple. If you buy a PC, sorry, a Windows machine, uh, sorry, for some reason tonight, Siri keeps interfering. Let me just kill kill my Mac for a second. Hang on. Because now a great example of Mac in the middle of this show is uh, that it keeps bloody staying stuff. Uh, 
if you buy a, a Windows machine, you're dealing with an, with one of many, many, many vendors, aren't you? Yeah. It's potluck, isn't it? You might get a really good dealer who, who I, I remember years ago, I bought a machine, not. a high-end machine from like Fred Blog's PC World or whatever it was called. So just one of those people online that said, you get all this gear, it's all packed into stuff. And the whole experience was horrible. Uh, and then I bought a HP top-end machine and that experience was horrible. That's when I actually, that's when I started using Apple, uh, mm. probably about 20 years ago. Uh, and, and I've never looked back because despite all the jokes and the ridicule and the, and the people going, well, I can buy a, I can buy a Windows machine that can do the ironing and make coffee. And it's got a cash point built in for a dollar. And you think, well, I don't care. It's like the example you gave down was a perfect example. It's like Volkswagen. Is that like mm. my Volkswagen may not be the sexiest, fastest, uh, uh, machine on the market, but I know that every time I get in it, it's going to go and it's going to work. Yeah, you know what you're solid. saying Russ, about about how it, it it just works and like that's definitely a value for you know we're running our businesses, earning our living from it. That's a value. Around five years ago, I was doing some videos for Groove Three on Sonar, and I needed a PC, so I needed to buy a PC. And I'm not a PC person. I've never you know I started on Mac, so I figured okay, I'm gonna I'm not gonna like what you're saying, dealing with multiple vendors. I'm gonna go to like someone to custom make me like a you know a pro machine. I'm gonna I don't mind if I pay a little bit extra. I just want to not have to worry about all the, the details. And I paid someone, I got a custom-made machine, and I booted it up, and it worked fine. I mean, I had to navigate around Windows and, you know, find my way around. But, yeah, I mean, it, the experience wasn't terrible. I mean, it worked. All the components were matched. You know, I made, you know they made sure all the, the video card and the this card and that card were all matched up. And uh, it wasn't a terrible experience, but it was, you know, custom-built. Yeah, and I remember when I used to launch my Windows machine, I always used to cross my fingers while it was booting up. <laughs> To me, it's like moving to another city and trying to find your way around. It's like, <laughs> you know, getting, a, it's like getting another wife. It's that's that's. <laughs> for me, you know I mean, it's just like, and actually, that's another example. Is that like like Anna is is perfect for me, uh, uh, but there are just like she'd tell you that the fact is that that we've both got things that don't make us perfect. But for me, she is perfect. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, I I think what hasn't helped in the last decade or so is forums because forums have these abstract conversations about anything, whether it be computers, microphones, preamps, software. And they're not real world conversations. They're conversations that are either based around uh, what they're based around about, about stuff that really doesn't matter to me. All that matters to me on a daily basis is will my computer fire up and will I be able to make a living? And my yeah. Mac pro, I remember somebody complained about this, but I'm, I'm going to say it again, has made me hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. and it cost yeah. me, Four grand. So, and I wrote it off on the books in my business, what, three years ago. So it owes me nothing on paper. So I'm going to segue though into. into talk know, about this Mac that you. Well, yeah, that's you what I was going to. Yeah, will you talk about with this story you put up this week about this double monitor yeah. Asus machine? All right. Well, let's let's just move. Yeah, across to this machine that people are going. Uh, it's, it's actually it's quite mixed out there, the, the uh, conversation yeah, on this. Um, some people comment. love it. Some people don't like the idea of it. But think of this. If Apple released this product first, this dual display Asus, what's it called? A ZenBook. It's like a half an iPad screen above the keyboard, which is directly below the hinge screen. So think about it. And the screen that's facing upwards, you could have some VI controls, maybe a mixer. Uh, and then you've got your edit window behind it on your main display. 
It does I look made cool. A, I made a little graphic just to give you an idea. Um, I think it's very cool. Now, if Apple released this first, well, well done, Apple. That Apple, there would be the, you know, the tech geniuses. But because Windows machine has it, people are like, oh, I'm not sure. And I don't get that. I don't get that. I mean, it, the, the gap between Windows computers and Mac computers is getting smaller. If anything, there's a lot of these Windows machines now. Um, the technology is going in different directions. Uh, and Apple seemed to be churning out stuff that is maybe a little bit too familiar now, a little bit too safe. I don't know. I'm excited by seeing things like this and the Surface Pro, uh, the Surface Book stuff. I think, okay, cool. Um, it's a different take. And if it's the OS that's putting you off, okay, that's fine. That You're allowed to have that opinion. Me personally, if I had to switch from Mac OS to Windows, um, I'd embrace it. You know, it's not, I wouldn't have to learn a different language. It's still in English. Um, if I got a warning message, I would be able to understand it. Um, and everything else is pretty much standard. But well, this, you can understand this a Pro Tools machine. warning message. You can understand any, pro, any warning <laughs> yes, message. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Well, Error I'm glad you say that. 7284 or whatever it is. It's, well, that's, that's exactly it. How often am I actually using Mac OS and just Mac OS in my day? I don't. I load up Pro Tools. I load up Photoshop. I load up a video editing software yeah. and I get to work. The actual operating thing is just the thing that underpins your work. It's there if you need to grab your files and load up an internet browser. Everything else is the application that you use. So I'm okay with that. I mean, James, you know, bless him. He did this for us, didn't he? He moved from Mac to Windows and he said, took one it's for all the fine. Team. He took one yeah. for the team and said, it's fine. You know, come this way. If you're going to do it, you'd be right. Um, oh, listen, I don't, if somebody had to be, if somebody said, if, 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 Apple's OS system crashed tomorrow and I could never use a Mac again. I'd, of course I'd use a Windows machine. Yeah. You, you get used to it. The, the reason this, the, this is ZenBook. The problem with this ZenBook for me is my, actually is, is my experience of having a, a MacBook Pro with the touch bar is that having that there, I never use it. The, the only thing I really use the touch bar for is for entering passwords on. They're different. Secure. They're different things. The touch bar, I get it, but they're very small. This is a, a screen that's it's right there. It's not about being very small. It's about, it's about, isn't this a touch screen, the top bit? Isn't it like they're having an iPad? They're the both, no, the, both screens are touch, uh, okay. touch screens. Is so it, what I'm saying is reaching across your keyboard to do something is just odd. And I, I say that's why I never use it on my Mac. It's weird to go over the keyboard to start, like, I, it, when, like, when a video comes up, it gives me up, like, it gives me, like, the timeline that I can scroll through and it gives me, like, the, 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 the volume controls. And there's just something, mentally weird about reaching across a keyboard to do it. It should be in front. That's the weird thing about this. Yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't caught on more because Logic's got great implementation of the, you know, the touch, touch Have you bar. got it? Have you got a touch bar? I don't. I don't have a laptop, but I, I'm just, I don't really hear much buzz about, I, you know, they've, they've gone to trouble to implement, you know, all kinds of features with it. And I don't really hear much about it. I don't like, yeah, so I, I, you're, I, you're corroborating that. Like it just doesn't seem to be a big deal for people. It, I, you know, I don't, I don't give a rat's ass about it. To be honest, there's, it's nice moments when it pops up with like, the good thing about the touch bar is that it comes up whenever you're using it. It's, it's app sensitive so if i'm in, in photoshop then the, then it's not just the f1 keys anymore it will tell me that that's cut or paste or move or layer change mm. and stuff like that so it's good for that uh so i suppose one thing i'd like to see if i was going to see anything as an going slightly off off piste here is that somebody would make a, a, a laptop where all the keys were were glass or whatever it was and they all changed as you were using different apps mm. So That'd all the cool. shortcuts appeared, whatever you were in. That would be nice. Well, 
Well, if, if a Windows laptop did that first... I don't and care then Mac did, did it, it later. Did it. No, exactly. But it's, it's kind of a stigma to this, where people go, "Oh, it's a Windows machine. Oh, I'm not interested." But no, if it was an Apple, no. Sorry, did my complaint this. about that ZenBook is not that it's a Windows machine. My complaint is that having used a computer where I have to reach across the keyboard to use touch stuff, I just, it just, I just don't use it. But maybe different on this because it's a big, massive monitor above the the, the, the keyboard. Mm. Uh, but uh, but they've sacrificed the, the touchpad, haven't they? It was that thing on the no. right, the touchpad now. No, the touchpad is a touchpad, so for your mouse and all that, and a numpad. It's both if you want it. So think of keyboard shortcuts. That's what caught my attention here. I thought, well, hold on a minute. They've actually managed to make use of the whole space on the bottom part of the base. The whole space. That's smart. They've thought about it. It does um, look cool. I, I, I think it looks cool. But as I say, if you read people's comments on it, it's... Uh, so you're going to buy one, Dan? If if I if a friend of mine bought one of those and showed it to me, I'd say to them, "You bought that because you could have bought a MacBook, but you chose to buy something better because they're the same price for the base models." Um, and that's my opinion. I'm not going to buy one because I'm not a laptop user for this stuff. Um, I haven't been for years. You know, I, I work in my studio. I'm not a on-the-go producer. But if I was, yeah, this would be my weapon of choice. Definitely. I like the way they did the calling on it because the calling sort of runs through the middle of the machine, doesn't it? I watched the video. The hinge lift, yeah, you yeah, lift, that the looks cool. Lifts Lifting it, it off the ground, off the uh, desktop, yeah, yeah, that makes perfect. Because cool. if you ever had your laptop on your legs for a few hours and then you take your trousers off and they're bright red, yeah, you've got a tan, <laughs> you've yeah, got a tan, you've got a tan line. <laughs> it's, it's probably making half the half the world <laughs> impotent as well because it's probably heating up their testicles. Funny, which is, it's true. This you're not supposed to put your laptop by your by by your. Genitals. Oh really? I yeah, because it's bad for it's bad for reproductive stuff. Yeah, so uh, I wasn't just joking when I said that. It's a fact. Right, so okay. anyway, leave it in the comments. We, this is we didn't come to any conclusion here, but it seems that we're all Mac users here, and we're all Mac users with quite old products that haven't been put off. That we don't uh, get updates every ten seconds uh, and new mm. products every ten seconds. And uh, the other thing is, I'm in the ecosystem, so. I love being on Safari on my Mac and then being on Safari on my iPhone and the passwords work. Yeah, and stuff that's like that. uh, yeah. Little yeah, things like that. And I know people say you can do it on Chrome, but I'd then have to buy a blinking flipping Android phone and that's a bridge far too far for me. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I need to change my phone and I'm thinking it's they're so expensive. I should get an Android, but it's the whole ecosystem, you know, the contacts and the calendar and and the mail and it's all synced up. It's it's elegant. It's it's mm. all, it's. But they're it's rubbish around marinas. I'll tell you that rubbish around open water, especially if you drop them. <laughs> it becomes a quality of life choice. You know, You're, I'm paying a bit extra, but it's it's a quality of life choice. You know, why do people buy expensive cars? I mean, you know, it's the quality of life thing. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, competitions this month. Uh, win the three preamps you'll actually use bundle from Artoria worth $299. These software plug-in preamp emulations are some of the finest available today. Try the 1973 Pre on vocals, the Tried A Pre on drums, or the V76 Pre on bass, and you will love their vintage character with their modern features and low CPU loads. To be in with a chance of winning this competition, follow the link in the podcast notes. So our second talking point tonight uh, is how do you keep track of projects? How do you make sure they get done? Watch it. This is probably a strategy conversation, really, and it's worth a discussion. So, uh, Eli, I'm going to come back to you first because you seem to in- incredibly busy all the time. You're the most prolific mm. video creator I've ever come across. Uh, and 
you you must have endless deadlines and quite yeah. challenging pressures on you to learn new products to do it. Have have you got a system to this that you've employed over the years to make sure you don't go insane or miss deadlines? <laughs> no, uh, you know it's funny when you say how do you keep track of a project as the, the talking point. That my first instinct was meaning logic projects or Pro Tools projects, no. but you just mean overall work projects, work projects. Yeah, deadlines. Um, yeah, you know, actually, right now I'm kind of in a real crunch. I, I got a lot, a lot, you know, coming up in the next little while. Um, I just, you know, through life experience, just, you know, learn to not take on more than I can handle. Um, you know, I also, we've spoken about this before too. My wife's not crazy about it, but I, I don't have this, you know, nine to five mentality. I don't mind working nights on weekends, early in the morning. I mean, I kind of work when it suits me. So that frees me up to you know, my, my, to, my schedule is a bit more flexible. That frees me up to, you know, it makes me a bit more malleable in terms of what I can handle. Um, most of the time, I don't really have tight deadlines. Like with Groove 3, the only time the deadlines are really tight are when they coincide with, with upgrade Product releases. launches and stuff. You know, pro- yeah. Pardon? Product launches. Yeah, if they when they upgrade up, up when they sync up with the product launches. But that's, you know, maybe a quarter of the, of the titles I do fall into that. Um, so... Just I don't know life experience of of knowing what I can handle, how much time I have, what's on my plate, and but do you have any kind of methodology to this? Do you do you, every time you take a project, you don't reinvent the wheel every time. I can't believe that. You, you do you um, do you have like a do you sketch it out first? How how, how do you? How do you you know, I I think one of the, th- the the things that allow me to work fast is that yeah, I'm 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 I don't do that, and I think that's one of my my things that helps me work fast. I don't do outlines. I just sort of jump in and go. And often, especially for for videos like Group Three videos, when I'm covering new products, I don't know. I'm doing videos, and I'm I just kind of learn what I need to know for that video, do it, then move on what I need to know for the next video, and do that. I'm talking about video by video within the series. It's not like I learn the whole program first. I don't take like two weeks to learn the whole thing and then do the videos. I I spend so a few hours. So you learn hours, a feature that you're going to talk. I about. learn as I'm going. Spend a few hours, get the big picture, get up and running, and then just dive in and cover. You know, as I'm going through the manual, learning it myself, I'm doing the videos. That's kind of you know, and it's not always literally like that, but I. You know, I get the big picture and I jump in with the videos before I know all the nitty gritty. Sometimes that bites me in the you know where, but most of the time I, uh, you know, it works out okay. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because, in a sense, you're relying on yourself, no one else, aren't you? There's no one else. Well, no manuals can... too. Sorry? And but, manuals. No, but there's no, there's no, there's no other people involved to let you down or to, to slow it down or to, or, or to give you curveballs during a project. It's basically, Eli's end to end. You're doing yeah, the whole so, thing on your own. Yeah. Which yeah, is why when true. I asked Dan that, which is completely the opposite almost, that Dan, you're most of the time throwing projects where there's lots of people involved. You've got people coming in with, with gig, yep. with projects that they, they want you to produce and to engineer yep. and stuff. So do you have a methodology that, that, that people could take some hints from on this one who are running small studios? Okay, well, no two weeks are ever the same with this sort of work, creative work, um, and you have to stay on top of it. Um, you can't rest on your laurels and, you know, apply one way of working with one client to another. It doesn't work that way. And you know, you're right. I do have lots of different projects on all of the time. So it could be uh, I'm mixing a, a track for a guy on the other side of the world at the minute. Nice and easy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing something for an, an artist that I work with in the studio very different thing. Same service, different thing. I can sit in the studio with one of my clients at the end of this week and go, what do you think of my work? The guy in, I'm not going to name the country, but I can't do that with him in the room and read his body language. So communication, that's how I manage and track and do my my projects and deliver. That's the most important thing is deliver. 
Um, and it's just talking to your clients, emails, text message, phoning them, whatever, and just having a chat and getting things done that way. Did you hear what I've done? Do you like it? Do you like the direction? Um, there's one company I'm working with at the minute, slightly different. I'm not going to name the projects, but the person on the other end is not a communicator. And I've asked several times for some direction and he hasn't given it to me. So I'm sitting on my hands going, I don't want to start going down the wrong rabbit hole. I need a bit of direction before I can let my creativity loose. And they had the cheek to ask me where the project was. So I just replied, when you haven't answered my questions yet. So communication is key. Um, and being able to communicate on lots of different levels is also key. You can't just talk to clients as though they're all the same. Some clients are going to be very particular. So you have to be very particular as well. You have to sort of um, let them give you all the information. Some clients are going to be blasé, do what you want. But if they're like that, you have to be particular to make sure you've properly understand what is required. Otherwise, you can do the work, you can do a mix or you can start um, an online session job like guitar or piano, whatever the other bits I do as well, and be in the wrong ballpark altogether. And you've wasted your time. So communication is everything at the beginning, during and delivering. And does that help you hit deadlines? Because obviously all these projects have deadlines. And if there's not, if there's not an art client deadline, there's got to be a money deadline when you think oh, I can't spend more than this amount of time on this job because this is what I'm getting paid for it. So how do yes. you, how do you ensure that, that, that you stay on, stay, stay on deadline? Deadlines are always um, sorted at the beginning, 99% of the time. Um, and that is also invoiced again. So I, I ask for 100% of the fee up front one-off fee, um, and there'll be in a little contract or terms. If it does go over, we'll, that's a sort of a price, but we try to you know avoid that at all costs. So one price upfront, I get paid. So I don't need to think about money. I think about creativity and there's a deadline. And if I don't feel I can meet it for whatever reason, the client knows about it well in advance and it's usually a day or two late, but that is so rare. Um, I make sure I you know don't do silly deadlines like, you know, someone sends me a job on a Friday. I'm not saying it will be in your inbox on Monday. Come on. You know, that's So do you build buffer right. in? Do you build generally, are you building buffer into projects all the time so that if your deadline is a Thursday, you know, actually you could probably finish it by the Tuesday? Yeah. So I'd say a week. So if someone lands some guitar session stuff on me or a mix, it's a week, but usually it's with them in five days. Do you know no, what I, I got mean? got an interesting question. It's kind of a corollary to all this. How, and this goes to, to both of you, but I guess Dan first, how far in advance do you plan, is your schedule planned of what you're going to be doing? Do you know what you're going to be working on tomorrow? Do you know what you're going to be working on yeah. the day after tomorrow? Yeah. The day yeah. after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 On a Sunday, on yeah. a Sunday, I will make some time for me. So I step away from my family and all that sort of stuff. And I'll come down the studio, a whiteboard pen and my phone in my left hand. And I will scribble a plan up on my whiteboard, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, okay. and morning and afternoon. So that's two things that I can focus on in that week. And then I'll leave a couple of blank spaces in for the ad hoc stuff that might come in and work that way. And that's a plan. I don't set it in stone, yeah. but that's what needs to be done. It might get shuffled around a little bit. And you know what? Usually by Tuesday, it is all shuffled around. But I've got the components on the wall of what needs to be done. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm for interested. Me, I, I do it more. It's kind of more in my head. Like I, I have an idea. Okay, in the next two weeks, dangerous I have in your four, head, Eli. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, yeah. I, it's like I have these three or four big things that I have to get done in the next two weeks. I, I have an idea. Okay, I want to work on this one first and that one, for, you know, after it. But I, you know, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing tomorrow morning or the day after. I know there are these three or four things, but that are going to get done in the next two weeks, but I don't, I don't know exactly. Always yeah, every it's, day it's, it's interesting you bring this up because actually I'm just writing an article at the moment, which I think that there's a cliche around creatives that I've bought into for years, which is that the cliche is that we're right brainers. So we avoid lists and we avoid planning and we avoid all those kind of things because that's just not creative. That's not how we work. It's just, that's for, that's for the left brainers who are very ordered. And my wife's like that. My wife is completely like it's yin and yang in our relationship. But I've come to the conclusion, partly because it's probably because I'm 53, but, you know, I can forget things 10 minutes after being told them. So (laughs) I'm writing stuff down. I've learned actually that I'm far more productive. I've got a book on my desk. It's it's, It's a journal type book. And every night before the day before... Uh, I'm writing down everything I'm going to, all my tasks for the next day. The stuff rolls over as well. If I miss, it's not, it's not deadlines. It's, it's a list of tasks. Uh, it's also based around basically revenue. So I need to know. So, so by day eight of each month, I really want to know where I'm going to be for that month financially. So yeah. I've kind of trying to figure out by day eight, what the billing's going to be for the month. That doesn't mean I've done all the work. It just means I know where the work is. Uh, I've got retained clients as well that pay me retainers. So I do their work every month and they pay me that. And I know that work's coming in. And then I've got stuff on top of that. And then then curveballs come. So somebody rang me Friday and said, Russ, I've got urgently got something for the the Oscars, actually. I've got to do a project to submit to the Oscars and it's got to be there by next Thursday. I said, well, I'm going to clear a day out next week on Tuesday, which is tomorrow for you. Uh, you've got to get me all that content. Uh, so I've had another call with them today to say tomorrow, I need this and this, I need the outline, I need what you want, I need this audio so that I can get on with it. Because uh, my deadlines are impacted often by my clients. Right. And if my clients- that's one of the big differences with me. Like we were talking about earlier, a lot of what I do is alone. Yeah. It doesn't really involve that much coordination. Okay, I've got a cure for you there, Eli. Yeah. If you had your guitarist friend and you books him to come do some work with you or he said Eli I want to come track some guitars and you do you know some mixing for me you're making an appointment with someone yeah I do have yeah, yeah obviously yeah. I do have some of that. yeah no no, no but well. what I'm saying is you need to make appointments with yourself yeah this that's is what interesting. I'm doing so I'm so, so like you know I talked about time tracking recently I'm tracking all my time now not just my client work I track when I'm blogging I track when I'm doing billing so I get, at the end of each day I can see where my day went whether it's billable or not so, and it's interesting when you do that and when you, I've come to the conclusion, as I say, that there's a cliche around creatives that it's all, let's just, let's all start, sit in our pajamas all day and let it all hang out. And that's not, no disrespect to you, Eli, but we've all been brought up on that kind of theory that it's all kind of cool to just be just, that anything that's got the sense of order to it is, is bad. And it ruins our creativity. Yeah, no, that's not vibing. And I don't think you believe that anyway, Eli, because you're far too productive for that to be true. But what I'm saying is that a lot of us are taught that bullshit. And the reality is that I'm far more productive and making far more money now out of my creative business by having some order to it and having some shape to it. And, And I don't have a whiteboard like Dan. I have a book for the simple reason I bought a whiteboard and then wrote everything in a Sharpie on it. 
so I've given up on the whiteboard because I'm such a moron that I didn't even figure out I had to use something that wasn't a Sharpie to write on it. So it was in the <laughs> bin after a week uh, because because I'd sharpened uh, all, I'd finished all the projects, but I couldn't wipe them off the board. <laughs> you know, something that. So yeah, all I'm saying. So my, my comeback to you guys is that like and and, and is that like I think order. The, 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 there is, you can be creative in order. You know, a, a shrink I was seeing like 20 years ago told me something once, it still sticks with me. She said, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person to do. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I always think of that and it's true. The busier I am, the more productive I am. The more things I have, you know, that I, that I have to do, the more productive I am. Listen, I've when got more, more work than I know. I, I get to the end of the day and I wonder how I've got through it some days. I think, how am I doing this? And I think that like, if I took any more clients on now, it would just it would just be, be hard anyway. Uh, so it's true. And who goes, if you went down the street and you went past two restaurants and one was full and one was empty, which one would you go in? The empty one. No, the full mm. one. You go in the full one every mm. time. Full one. You go in the <laughs> one that's me. where everybody's eating, not where no, nobody I wanna, is. I want to go to the one where it's quiet and relaxed. But the food's crap. That's why there's nobody in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, we, we, we kind of kind of get to the end end of the show here. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser, no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Let's get on to Find of the Week. These are sponsored by our friends at RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio carries nearly every great microphone you can think of from budget to boutique. They have microphones for Sennheiser, Neumann, Earthworks, Shaw, Lauten, Peluso, AKG, Blue, Townsend Labs, Antelope, and many, many more. Not sure what mic you need? The team at RSP can help. Just tell them the work that you do, and they can recommend a few mics. Plus, if you're in LA, uh, you can book a demo and try some for yourself before you buy. Shop online or contact the team to find out what microphone is right for you. So, find of the week. Uh, I think I know what Dan's is. Eli, what's your find of the week? You know, I'm working on some videos for Groove 3 on Stratus. It's a reverb from Exponential Audio, now Isotope. And uh, I hadn't used that one before. I'm really liking it. It's, you know, theoretically on paper designed for post-production, but I'm using it, well, for a little bit of everything in the videos, but I'm using it on some music sources and I'm really liking it. I'm just, just really enjoying it. I miss all of that. You know, Michael and I worked together for several years on all of his products. And he let you into a little secret. I think I can say it now. I named most of these products with Michael. Wow. Stratus. Yeah. Nimbus. Excalibur. Uh, in fact, yeah, Excalibur was one of Excalibur. mine. Excalibur. I remember yeah. you telling me about that. Yeah. yeah uh, we, we had fun doing all the names. It was like being in a band again. You know, like being in a school band. <laughs> yeah. We'd start with names and you'd, we'd talk with Mike about it. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's lovely that, that they're now with Isotope and Michael continues to work with them. But that is a beautiful reverb, a yeah, stunning reverb. Yeah, and it's, it, it's surround, of course, as well. Yeah. Magically surround. So, yeah. uh, but uh, Michael, one of the smartest guys in the industry and... Uh, 
yeah, as I say, it's 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 wonderful that that, that it's been passed on to Isotope and they're good friends of mine as well. But uh, I do miss doing the exponential audio stuff. You mind. know what I find interesting is that you know Stratus and, and Nimbus and R four and, and and Phoenix Verb they, and R two they all have the same basic interface, you know, same type of controls and GUI. But uh, they, this one sounds different for some reason. It's it's just like it just sounds different oh, than, it is, than yeah. Nimbus. It's, and, it, it, it is, and I think some people used to say that Michael just repackaged the same reverb again and again. It was t- entirely no. untrue. No, entirely different. Yeah. Dan, I wonder what yours is this week. <sighs> yeah, of course. It's going to be the Zen book, isn't it? The uh, What we were talking about earlier. If you haven't read the article we published, um, we'll put the link in the show notes. Check this out for yourself. Um, as I said, I'm not a laptop user. Um, I mean, I've got a MacBook Air, but I just use that for accounting and other general bits and bobs on the, online. But um, yeah, you know, if I was to go for a MacBook Pro, um, I wouldn't go for a MacBook Pro. I would go for one of these but it's this kind of technology that's um making me quite excited about the future for windows stuff because i really do think i'm going that way after this machine uh 2020 i'm i've dog-eared that year for the next workstation um in this studio just want to put a bit of money aside to be able to do it um and then yeah i'll make the switch and i'll get james to hold my hands when i do it uh yeah more on that uh, in the future, but yeah, Zendesk, uh, sorry, Zenbook, sorry. Um, Russ, what's your find of the week? So my find of the week is actually Apple support. I found last week that, a, that well, over a couple of weeks, some uh, two or three of the keys on my keyboard were, were going a bit ropey on my MacBook Pro, which is, you might have read online a lot about this, about the butterfly keyboards being less than ideal, but so, what some reports have said in that Apple uh, made a mistake with them anyway. So uh, the H key uh, stopped working, so my MacBook became a pile of sit. Uh, Funny. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so I booked an appointment uh, today at the Mac, the Apple store to see a genius. Uh, to talk, you go online, you tell them what, you, what your problem is. And I went in at 10 past four with, with my daughter and we and a guy came out, told him what the problem was, demonstrated it to him, found out that, it, that the return key, the shift key and the H key were a bit, bit ropey. He said... Uh, I said, I've backed it up. You want to send it away? I said, uh, it's going to be difficult because I've only got a Mac Pro, an iPad and a phone to rely on if you do that. <laughs> uh, and he said, uh, let me take it out the back and have a quick look for you now. If I don't if I don't have to send it away, I won't. And 10 minutes later, he comes out and he's fixed it. No charge, I bet. No charge. Of course, there was no wow. charge. Smiled at me. Said He said it was a four-year warranty on the keyboard outside mm-hmm. of any other warranty. So if it go between now and 2022, if anything happens to that keyboard again, it's fine. It's just, it was to say, me and my daughter hung out at the shop for 10, 15 minutes, looked at some games and stuff and, and did yeah. stuff like that. The guy was respectful, quick, didn't take a sharp intake of breath and tell me it was going to cost $6,000 and 10 weeks of my time to get it fixed and handed it back. And it's another reason I continue to trust Apple. Yeah. Amen. And on that, uh, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And good night from me. Good night.